0: Good morning everybody. It's so wonderful to see you all here. We're so glad that you're joining us for our Christmas Eve service Um, This morning if you are watching online with us, we'd just like to extend a special welcome to you We'd like to ask you just to uh, feel free to reach out to our online our online hosts that we have available for you They are there to pray with you um, Talk with you answer questions anything that you may need this morning this morning, I'd like to just ask you all, we're going to stand, we're going to worship, we're going to praise our King as we, um, as we expect his coming this morning. And um, it's just a beautiful time that we get to just praise and worship together. And um, I just encourage you, however you choose to worship this morning, feel free to do so. If you'd like to raise your hands, sing with us, um, shout for joy, um, just revel in this amazing coming of Christ this morning with us. Um, and nothing would encourage us more. Um, as uh, as a church. As a body, we get to just uh, worship together this morning as a family, um, and that is such a beautiful thing. So let's stand, and we're going to start to worship the Lord.
1: Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. and then
0: All the glory and honor and praise to Him.
1: You could have stepped into creation With fire for all to see Brought every tribe and nation to their knees Arriving with the horse of heaven In royal robe and crown The rulers of the earth all bowing down But you chose meekness over majesty Wrapped your power and humanity Could have marched in all your glory into the heart of Rome, Show the land like they'd never known, but you wrote a. To the cradle, from cradle to the cross, let heaven and nature sing, This is our King. But the grave couldn't hold him, so our God is overcome. Let heaven and nature sing, This is our King. From heaven to the cradle, from cradle. To the cross, let heaven and nature sing. This is our king. But the grave couldn't hold him. Our god is overcome. Let heaven and nature sing.
2: Today, today marks the fourth Sunday of Advent. The word Advent means coming or arrival. And during this season, Christians celebrate the first coming of Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem and anticipate his second coming when he will return as our glorious king. Today, we light the angel's candle in remembrance of the heavenly host who came to announce to the world that the Savior has finally come. Lean in now and hear the word of the Lord from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field watching their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Thanks be to God.
0: Moriah 9, verse 9. We're reminded of how often Jesus comes to us in such a humblest of form. It says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly and riding on a donkey. Again, another example to us, how Jesus comes to us in such a humble way. The king, the maker of all things, rulers of nations, in the most humblest of form. Later on in verse 10, it says this, his rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to river to the ends of the earth. This morning, church, that is what is happening. He rules over all we can trust in him give him all of our burdens because his load is light he is there for us always accepting and always loving us even when we don't deserve it let's praise his name what you've done for us. Father, you came in a way that was least expected. To think that a being so wonderful, so powerful, and so worthy would be birthed cradle of straw again in a way that was least expected and still God you don't force a relationship between us and you you're still so humble and you give us the free will to be one with you And you're yearning for that relationship, just knocking at our door. God, we are just so amazed. So incredibly thankful. We just love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You may be seated.
3: good morning and welcome to Springbrook to our Christmas Eve service we are so glad that you are with us today hey you should have uh, picked up a candle on the way into your service and so we want to make sure everybody's got one of these for our candle lighting and then the kids have got some glow sticks and so if you don't have one they're right outside the door you can jump out there and get one of those and come back in but we are so glad that you are with us today if you're watching with us online we're glad that you are with us as well Um, I was looking up some numbers last week. We've had over 2,500 visits to our online uh, website this past year. So if you're watching with us online, you're an important part of our community. We're glad that you're with us as well. Many times people are traveling, sometimes they're sick, sometimes they're just checking out church. And so if you're watching with us online, be sure to say hello in the chat. Our online hosts are available to pray for you and answer any questions that you might have. And if you're here with us in person today, we're glad you're here as well. You've got a connection card that's in your seat. And so you can take some time to uh, fill that out um, during the service. You can share with us, as, with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing if you're new to Springbrook. But there's a place for you to drop those uh, in the back. Uh, but we want to thank you for being with us um, today for our Christmas Eve morning service. <laughs> and so we're glad that um, you are with us. Today we're going to be looking at um, some shocking news. The shocking news that Mary would get when the angel Gabriel uh, would appear to her. You know, when was the last time that you got shocking news? I get shocking news uh, quite frequently. Sometimes it's maybe about friends or family, and so it seems like I hear shocking news a lot. But when was the last time you had shocking news? You know, sometimes uh, we get shocking news and it just seems a little bizarre. I don't know uh, if you remember this three years ago. I got this for Christmas when you're. This is a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> Do you remember when we were out of toilet paper nationally? And there was like a. Everybody's freaking out going to get toilet paper so I got this as a gift and I was in shock when I heard we were out of toilet paper. I just I didn't I didn't get that. So I got that as a Christmas gift. I thought well that was that was kind of cute. It's just one of the things that we take for granted, right? We take so much stuff for granted. And it's really easy for us to uh, to approach Christmas and take so many things for granted. You know, something as simple as that. You know, that by the way toilet paper is not something that we we take for granted. Um, Overseas, I was on a mission trip. I was out in the middle of the jungle. I was traveling with my host, and I said, "I I gotta go to the bathroom." He said, "Okay." And he walked over to the bushes and he said, "It's right here." I'm thinking, I was in shock. I was like, "No, I can't go in a tree line." And then I was in another country, and uh, I was downtown, and I was looking for a bathroom, and so I got to an outhouse, and I walked in. There's a hole with a bucket of water sitting there. I'm thinking, "Oh, I've been in shock about some pretty bizarre things." And I know many times, uh, you know, you get news, and maybe you're in shock, and but one of the things that's interesting about when you get shocking news is there's always this period between when you get the news that causes you to have trouble and to panic and then after you have a chance to think about it for a little bit, um, you realize that things are gonna be okay. You know, sometimes that gap between when you hear the news and when you realize things are gonna be okay, sometimes it happens quickly that you get over it and sometimes it just lingers. But usually we're able to work through it. I I I want you to imagine for a moment that you're sitting on the couch uh, one evening and you're watching your favorite TV show. Maybe you're in the backyard and uh, you're sipping coffee early in the morning. It's nice and quiet. And you're just sitting there minding your own business. And then, boom, an angel shows up and appears and says, Greetings, O favored one from the Lord. That's what happens to Mary. We're in Luke chapter 1, and we see an angel would appear to Mary in the midst of her day, and she gets some shocking news. In Luke chapter 1, it says that the angel Gabriel appeared. It was in the sixth month. In verse 26 of chapter 1, he appeared to a virgin that was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. He was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. In verse 29, it says she was greatly troubled at the saying, trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of God of the Most High and the lord god will give him the throne of his father david and he will reign over the house of jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end mary says to the angel how can this be i'm a virgin the angel said to her the holy spirit the most high will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called holy he will be called the son of God. And so can you imagine sitting there minding your own business and getting that news? It says Mary was troubled, troubled from the perspective that she was trying to discern what the angel's message was. And as you read through their Christmas story, there are many times when the angel appears and whenever they appear, there's this, each person that they appear to is met with, with great fear. You know, an angel would appear to Zachariah and, and he, there would be great fear. And as you watch Zachariah's testimony his story he'll move from fear to doubt the angel would appear to joseph and you'd see joseph move from fear to uncertainty and openness the angels would appear to the shepherds you know, the angels would appear to shepherds and it says that they would be fear among the shepherds as the angels appear do you watch their fear move from fear to awe and then the angel would appear to mary and it moves her pastor fear to a curious obedient faith there's always this time in between when we get shocking news and how we process that till we realize it's going to be okay. And that's what we see happens with uh, Mary. You know, Mary is minding her own business when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, greetings to you, favored one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at that saying and trying to discern what kind of greeting this would be. She was greatly troubled. And then Gabriel would tell her in verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Okay. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call him named Jesus. Hang on a second. (laughs) He will be great. He will be called the Son of God, the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. That has to be a shock. She just moved from the shock of an angel appearing to now finding out that she's going to conceive a son. And that has to be a shock. And so she says, well, how will this be? I am still a virgin. Of all the things that she heard, the thing that's foremost on her mind is, hey, wait a second. I'm not ready to conceive a son. I'm still a virgin. How can this be? To which Gabriel will reply, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So I go, okay. Therefore, the child to be reborn will be called holy, the Son of God. And so she gets a double shock. And so Mary is pondering up all these things in her mind. And we don't know how much time elapsed between the time that she's been shocked multiple times. But she gets to the point in verse 38 where she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. We see Mary getting these series of shocks and this distance in between the, the shock that she receives and as she processes, processes this information. She moves from a place of fear to curious, obedient faith. Mary would give birth to Jesus, the, the son of God. He would reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus would be the great I am. Jesus would take on the name of the great I am, the name that God would give Moses at the burning bush. He is the great I am. And with the fourth candle lighting this morning, we were celebrating the announcement of the coming of the birth of Jesus. And so we lit that fourth candle in remembrance of the angel's pronouncement, celebrating the fact that Jesus would be born. An angel of the Lord would appear to the shepherds and they would be filled with great fear. And we'd see the angels uh, would tell them this news. There's this great fear. But then the angel would say to them, you don't need to fear because the news that we have about Jesus, it is great news. It is good news. It is news of great joy. And that's what we're celebrating today. We've come together to celebrate the birth of, Of Jesus Christ. And we're also celebrating the reality of who Jesus is and what that means for us today. See, this is not just about the birth of a baby that has no impact on our lives. There's relevance to the fact that Jesus Christ was born and what that means for us today. And so we're celebrating both his birth and we're selling the reality of who he is and what that means for us today. A Savior has been born, he shines light into the darkness. He lights our path. He gives our life meaning and hope. He rescues us from our sin, from our fallen and broken world. I don't know if you recognize it or not, but that world is messed up. It's fallen and broken, and we all are affected by that brokenness. And we have a Savior that's been born to to guide us through that, to, to be a light for us in a dark world, and to give us hope and to rescue us from our sin and from that brokenness. You know, typically on uh, a day like today, we would just light the, the fourth candle, announcing the fact that Jesus would be born. But today we're also going to light a fifth candle. The fifth candle is celebrating his birth before Christmas. So today is Christmas Eve, and so we're going to celebrate with this fifth candle, and we're going to celebrate as we acknowledge the fact that not only was he born, but he has been born for a purpose. Purpose. And we're going to hear from a passage from verse 1 in uh, John chapter 1. And so listen to uh, this passage as we celebrate not only the fact that Jesus was born, but what he means for us today as we light our fifth candle.
2: Well, now we light the fifth and final candle of Advent, the Christ candle. The candle represents Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, and it sits in the center of our wreath, just as Christ is himself the center of our faith. Hear now the word of the Lord from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and given to us in love. Thanks be to God.
3: Amen. See, the birth of Jesus Christ is, you know, it's a, it's, it's a reality that many people will acknowledge. You can't talk to somebody about, you know, who Jesus is without at least acknowledging the fact that he has been born. And the majority of conversations you'll have with people will, will acknowledge that Jesus has been born. If you look at historical documents, records, you know, from that perspective, the, you know, all of the history and all the facts points to the reality of the fact that Jesus was born. In fact, we're in the year 2023 and we're moving into the year 2024 because Jesus was born. And so for the majority of people, when they talk about who Jesus is, they'll acknowledge that there was a person named Jesus. But he wasn't just a good man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just somebody that gave us some moral code to to live by. Celebrating the birth of Jesus and then understanding who he is and what that means to us are two different things. And so when we talk about the birth of Jesus, when we celebrate his birth, it's also an opportunity for us to pause and to think about what does it mean to me. And so there's a personal relationship that we have with this Jesus that impacts how we view our world. It impacts how we view our relationships. It impacts our view of how we relate to our spouses, to our kids, in our workplaces. We have to ask ourselves, Jesus was born, but what does it mean to me? And so Jesus has been born, but he is the light of the world. The the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. And there's some differences, you know, nuance between the, the names of Jesus and the titles of Jesus, but there are almost 200 different titles and names of Jesus in the Bible. 198 is the closest approximation that I've found, but 198 different references to who Jesus is. We've been looking at some of those. He's, he's a mediator, he's a witness, he's the foundation of our faith, he's the vine, he's a rabbi, he's the everlasting father, he's the mighty one from Jacob, he's the lamb of God, he's the rock of offense, he's a judge, he's a teacher, he's the word, he's God manifest in the flesh. And, and we've been in a series looking at the fact that Jesus says that he is, I am. As you read through the book of John, there's seven times where Jesus talks about the fact that he is, I am. And that's significant because from an Old Testament perspective, when, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush and Moses said, who shall I say is sending me? God said, send them that I am sending you. And, and so God has appeared throughout history, throughout Scripture, and Jesus takes that I am title, that name, and he claims it for himself. And he says, I am the great I am. It's the name of God, and it's significant. As we've been going through this series, today we're going to be looking at the fact that Jesus says that as the great I am, he is the way, the truth, and the life. But we looked at the fact that he is our bread of life. He sustains us. He is the light of the world. He's the one that gives us guidance and direction and gives us hope. He is the door for the sheep. He gives us access to our heavenly father. He's the good shepherd. He cares for us. He's the resurrection and the life. And of him we have place our hope and today we're looking at the fact that Jesus says that he is the way he is the truth and he is the life and the next week we're going to finish up our series by looking at the fact that Jesus says he is the vine and so these metaphors are of Jesus are helping us to describe and understand who Jesus is as the great I am I am Jesus says the true vine I am Jesus says about himself the way the truth and the life we're going to be looking at the way, the truth, and the life this morning. We're in John uh, chapter 14. John chapter 14 is where Jesus would help us to be able to understand what it means for him to be our way, to be the truth, and to be our life. By the time we get to John 14, it's 33 years later, after Jesus' birth, that we find him, he would be having his last supper with his disciples at the end of John 13. He's been alive, he's been doing ministry, he's coming to the end of his life, he's preparing to prepare himself for the resurrection, for his death and his crucifixion. And we find him at the end of John 13 celebrating a meal with his disciples. And that meal that he's having with the disciples is referred to the Last Supper. We celebrate communion on a routine basis. And so if you're a part of a Christian church, you're going to celebrate communion. And it's the time that we step back and reflect on who Jesus is what he says about himself at that last supper and what it means for us today. And so Jesus is having this last supper, this communion meal with his disciples at the end of chapter 13 in verse 31. It said, after they had finished eating their supper, he went out and Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified. God will be glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him all at once. Little children, I'm going to be with you yet a little while. You're going to seek me, just as I said to the Jews, and so now you're also, I'm also saying to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And so the son would be glorified. God would be glorified. We get a new commandment. We're to love one another. It's our love for one another that enables others to know that we're followers of Christ, which is all the more important for us in the body of Christ in the church to show love for one another. Because when we don't, people on the outside see that and say, well, why would I want that? And so Jesus talks about the importance of who we are together as the body of Christ by this Others will know that you are my disciple. And after all of this, Peter says, whoa, hold up, hold up a second. So Peter says to him, where are you going? (laughs) So of everything that Jesus says, Peter picks up on the fact that he's going to be going. And And Peter says to him in verse 36, he says, where are you going? Jesus said, I'm going where you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'm going to lay down my life for you. To which Jesus replies, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter's heart was willing in his exuberant, exciting faith. He asked a question, where are you going? It's easy to get excited about who we are in Christ. It's easy to get excited when we're talking about Jesus. In fact, last Sunday, I got so excited about talking to Jesus, I almost lost my clicker. (laughs) Peter wants to know, hey, I just heard you, but back up and tell me again, where, where are you going? And so that's the conversation that the disciples are having when we move into chapter 24. The disciples have gotten some news. It shocked them. They'd taken for granted that they were going to be with Jesus this whole time. They weren't ready for this good news. And when they heard it, they were afraid. They were troubled. They were shocked. And they started to panic about the fact that their leader was going to be leaving them and they were going to be about themselves. And so as you move into chapter 14, Jesus sees this and he says to them, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled don't worry about where I'm going. Don't worry about the fact that I'm not going to be with you right now. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit with you. You're going to have a helper. Don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you I'm not going to lie to you about this. And if I'm telling the truth, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again, and I'm going to take you to be with myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus tells them not to be troubling. He, he's trying to help them get to the point where they don't have to panic any longer. He's trying to move them to their understanding the reality of who he is. And that's relevant for us today as we think about what Christmas is. In verse 1, Jesus says this, believe in God, believe also in me. To believe in Jesus is to believe in God. I and the Father are one. And so when we place our faith in Christ, when we believe in Jesus, we are believing in God. That's the second person of the Trinity. One God existing as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is trying to help them to understand, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. You're going to you're going to have a helper. But to believe in God is to also believe in me. In verse two, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to go to a place to prepare for you. So Jesus, where is he right now? Where is baby Jesus right now all grown up? (laughs) He's been resurrected. He's come back to life. He's ascended and he is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is physically present with his Father in heaven. He has gone to go prepare a place for us. Heaven is real. It's not just some construct idea. It doesn't just sound like a fun place to be. Jesus grew up from a baby, 33 years old, died, was buried, was resurrected, and ascended into heaven and is physically sitting next to his father right now in heaven. Heaven is real. And then in verse three, it says this, and if I go and prepare a place for you, which he said he's done, and he has in fact done, if I go and I prepare a place for you, I'm going to what? I'm going to come again and I will take you to be with myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to heaven. He did it. And he's also saying that I'm going to come back again. And I'm going to take you to be with me. And so in this first three passages, we see three clear Christmas realities. We know that Jesus is God. He's not just a baby in the manger. He is the great I am. We know that Jesus is God. We know that heaven is real. It's a real place. And Jesus is physically there seated at the right hand of his father. And then we also know that Jesus is coming a second time. Jesus came the first time as a baby to help us to be able to enter into this relationship with us, to fulfill a promises of God in the Old Testament. He came as a Savior, a Messiah, to give us hope, to save us from our sin, to rescue us. And while we're on this earth, each of us has an opportunity to reconcile that truth in our own mind. The majority of people, the majority of people in our community don't understand that, or they don't believe that. Maybe you're watching with us online, or maybe you're here this morning, and you thought, well, I did not realize that. If you've been a Christ follower for 25 years or more, you know, we have a tendency to take something for granted, not understanding that the majority of people around us don't have what we have. As we celebrate Christmas, we're We're looking to the realities of what it means for us, that Jesus is God, heaven is real, and he's coming back a second time. And when he comes back a second time, it's not going to be to give us another chance to have a relationship with him. He's going to come back at the sound of that trumpet. The dead are going to rise. If you're alive, you will be changed in an instant. And those that have a relationship with him will be raised to heaven. Those that don't have a relationship with him will descend. And what we do with Jesus in this life It's critical. It's the most important decision that you'll make in this life. You're always trying to find Christmas presents for my wife and my kids. I'm thinking, oh, what should I get with them? I mean, we rack our brains trying to make some of the decisions that, and and this is the most important decision that you can make in this life is what do you believe about Jesus? As you move into verse 4 and 5, the disciples at this point are still questioning Jesus. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, we have no clue where you're going. (laughs) Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus says to him, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so Jesus clarifies for them what it means for him to be the great I am. I am, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Each one of those words, Jesus uses the definite article the. It's not I am the way, truth, and life. It is I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he's doing that to distinguish himself as the only way. As the only truth, as the only place that we can find life. The disciples have been confused this whole time about where he was going, and they were confused about how they could follow him. And in this case, Jesus takes this opportunity to point them to the reality of heaven I am going there, I'm going to come back and get you. I am the way, I am the way to heaven. And so when we think about this life and we think about what happens afterwards and you know, our bodies are going to go into the ground, but we are going to be separated from our bodies like that thief on the cross was separated when he was crucified with Jesus. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so when we pass from this life, our bodies go into the ground, but we spiritually go somewhere. And Jesus says, if when I return, you want to physically come to heaven with me, if you want to be with me, then I am the way to heaven. And he points them to that. When he says, I am the way, I, I am the way to heaven. And then he says, I am the truth. You know, Psalm 119 says that truth is found only in Scripture. As we look around and, you know, some people say, well, I didn't need God. Look at this great thing happened in my life, and I didn't need God to make that happen. Wrong. Anything that is good that happens in our life is something that God is doing in our life. All truth is God's truth. There is no truth apart from God's truth. And so we talk about how to know what's true and what's not true and we, we live in a world that's trying to define absolute truth and what truth is and if you want to know what truth is, we find it in Scripture. Psalm 9, 119 says, truth is found only in God's Word and then it says that Jesus is the Word and the Word became flesh. He is the source of truth. And so... Christmas points to him, to the reality of who he is, is our way to heaven. It points to him as the reality of where we find truth. And then Jesus says, he is the life. Jesus has the final authority over life and death. You know, he, he, it's because of him that we live. It's because of him that we find hope. It's because of him that we find purpose. Everything else in this world is going to disappoint you. It's going to let you down. But in him, we find truth. We find life. And so as we prepare to finish this year and move into the next year, 2024, and people start thinking about their New Year's resolutions and, hey, this is going to be the year that I turn things around. We, we turn things around as a result of placing our faith in Christ and finding our identity in him. We come to faith in Christ. It says that the old is gone, the new has come. He changes us. He makes us new. He, he gives us a life purpose. And so Jesus is the life. He has the authority over life and death and it's in him that we find life, true life. It's in him that we find deliverance from a life of bondage. It's a, from, in him that we find deliverance from the sin that so easily entangles us. It's from him that we find the ability to, to make those changes in our hearts that we really desire to make but are having so much difficulty to do in our own strength. You know, Jesus offers us the life, the deliverance from a life of bondage, from sin, from death to freedom. And we know that we find that freedom in him. We find that freedom today, and we find that freedom in all eternity, in him and in him alone. And that's what he points to at the end of verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so when you see that, you're trying to explain that to your kids. Maybe you're trying to explain that to a coworker, or a friend or a family member. How would you explain that last sentence to somebody? You know, if you were going to explain that to someone, how would you do it? Jesus says that no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way to heaven. It's an exclusive claim. The good news is, that we get to participate in what God's doing in our life and choose whether or not we're going to walk through that door. Well, there's a door there. That's not fair. I can't go. Nobody, you mean to tell me I'm only, nobody can go through that door except for people like, yeah, but, it, but go through the door. And so every one of us plays a part of what God's doing. The Holy Spirit is drawing us into a relationship with himself and, and each of us gets to come to the point where we make a decision about what we believe about Jesus. And so when we think about the reality, when we think about the announcement of the angels you know, proclaiming that Jesus was going to be born, when we think about the reality of who Jesus claims to be as we think about the, you know, the great I am, these five realities of Christmas really guide our time together and what we're celebrating. Jesus is God. Heaven is real. He's coming back. Salvation is real. We have the hope of spending eternity in God through Christ, knowing that he is the only way to heaven. Christmas is a deeply encouraging time for somebody that has a relationship with Christ. Christmas is encouraging for Christians because it's a celebration of the incarnate birth of Jesus. It's the celebration of God becoming human. It represents God's immense love and grace for us that while we were still sinners, he would send his son to die for us. It's a reflection of the love that God has for us. It's it's a reminder that God entered into the world to redeem us, to help us to have a relationship with him. Christmas is deeply encouraging for Christians because of the message of hope and redemption and new life and new beginnings. And Jesus' birth demonstrates God's faithfulness to his promises. And Christmas is deeply encouraging time for Christians because Christmas is filled with peace and goodwill and joy and kindness and new life and hope. You know, Jesus is the reason for Christmas. Everything about Christmas points us to the reality of who he is. John would write in chapter 1, the passage that we looked at this morning when we talked about Not just celebrating his birth, but what does he mean to us? To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. And so through our relationship with him, we we have the assurance that we're his children. See, God loves everybody. He loves everybody enough that he sent his son into the world to die for our sins. But not everyone is a child of God to those who have received him, to those who have believed in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And so Jesus, through Jesus, we have the hope of being one of God's children. And so, well, how do we receive him? What does it mean to receive Jesus? Romans ten nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're going to be plucked out and saved from this fallen, broken, messed up world. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the grave, you are saved. And so to receive him is to say he's external now, but I want him in me. I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. He comes into you. You become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if you are, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. You can't start a new year. You can't start a new habit. You can't start being new on your own, in your own strength. The newness comes from understanding who we are in Christ. And it's then that we're able to put the past behind us. The old has passed away and the new has come. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you You know, as we prepare to end this year and move into the next year that, you know, if you're not clear in your mind about how to have a relationship with Christ, today is a great day to receive him. I want to become new. I want to become a a new creation. And it's not words. If you believe in your heart, if you've never had an opportunity to do that, you can just say, you know, Father, draw me into a relationship with you. I I want that hope. I want to understand the reality of what Christmas means. I, I want to be in a relationship with your son. I believe that your son is God that his death on the cross paid for my sin, that he came back to life, he was resurrected from the dead. And as best as I know how, see, this is the best part, because we think we have to have everything figured out. We've got to be good. We've got to be perfect. We have to know this. Everything's got to be cleaned up before I come to church. Many people don't come to church because they just don't feel like they're good enough. It's exactly opposite of what God would intend for us. We need to come to him understanding our need. And as best as I know how, we can ask him to come into our life and to be our savior and our Lord. And so if you have never prayed this prayer, if you want to clarify in your own mind what it means to be a Christian or Christ follower and really understand the joy of what it means to celebrate Christmas, you can pray this prayer with me this morning. And if this is the desire of your heart, we'll give you a few moments to do that. You can pray that. And today can be the day that you cross that line of faith. And if that's your desire, if you're watching with us online and you say, hey, you know, I, I, I want to do that, you can click that button to talk with one our one of our online hosts, there's a little button that you can click, hey, today I want to make a faith commitment and we'd love the opportunity to follow up with you. And if you're here with us this morning, you can just fill out that connection card that's in the chair next to you and today, the day, it could be the day that you cross that line of faith. You know, on that connection card, just put your name. If you got questions about that, if you want to know more about that or if you want to make that decision today, um, we'd we'll love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. And so you can fill that out and drop that in the uh, offering on the way back or you can just Scan that QR code, you can text "Next Steps" um, to us and uh, one of our pastors, one of our staff will follow back up with you. But I want to thank you for being with us um, today to celebrate uh, the true meaning of Christmas. I know that Christmas Eve we talk about, uh, you know, what do we do, services in the morning, do we do it in the evening, and, you know, we could celebrate Jesus' birth at any time. And so we're celebrating that today, and we're so glad that you were um, with us this morning as we celebrate the birth of our Savior. So our worship team is going to come out now and we're going to light our candles and we're going to spend some time singing. And if you have any questions, um, I'll be available after the service. Uh, but would you pray with me as we uh, prepare to uh, conclude our time together this morning? Father, I thank you for the hope and the reality of who Jesus is. I thank you for the reality of Christmas. God, thank you that, um, that you loved us enough to send your son Uh, to us. Thank you that uh, you came to us in the flesh to help us to be able to understand how to have a relationship with you. And I thank you for the simplicity of this good news. You know, the angels told the shepherds and told Mary, it's like, hey, look, it's not that complicated. You don't have to, (laughs) you don't have to panic. You know, uh, it's good news and it brings great joy. And so God, thank you that we can uh, come to you in this way. I pray that you continue to draw each of us closer to yourself as we prepare to Finish this year. I pray you'd help us be able to finish strong. We look forward to all that you have for us as we uh, move into the new year. And uh, God, we commit this day to you. Christmas points us to the reality of your son. And we thank you for that hope that we have. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you've got some uh, candles with you. And so as we move into sing this next song, um, we'll give you some time to get these lit. Um, our, our ushers are going to come forward. We'll help you get those lit so you have a song. Uh, coming before you to help them get lit and then we're going to close uh, singing Silent Night together uh, in just a moment. So if you want to go ahead and, and let start lighting your candles and we'll be singing this next song. i mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for this time that we could share together today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Pray that you just be with my friends this morning as they go about their day, that they would just have an increasing sense of your presence in their life. I look forward to all that you have for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, seriously, thank you again for being with us today. You can extinguish your candles as you're walking out. Uh, our ushers will help you dispose of those. The kids are free to take care of those light sticks. I know they're going to have fun with those for the rest of the day. And I pray that you uh, would go in peace to serve and love the Lord. Have a great day and a Merry Christmas. Thanks for being with us.